Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Watching from you know west location, east location, our, our brothers at RCMU, or, or maybe uh, you are watching this from a campsite, a campfire, or maybe just next week, uh, because uh, well, it is Memorial Day weekend, but we just we're so happy you're here, and and we thought that being a special weekend that we would start off by sharing a military story. Um, I read a story about a U.S. Navy SEAL recently, and, and his journey to becoming a SEAL, or as he described it. Uh, a journey that should have ended in failure. Uh, this Navy SEAL was just kind of explaining the process um, that you go through. It's about a year-long uh, grueling program in order to make it into this very exclusive group. I don't know about you, uh, I have not tried to become a Navy SEAL, uh, and I don't think I will, uh, and it sounds extremely difficult. You are just pushed to the limits of everything, physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, as far as your body and mind can take you, and there's one specific program within all of that that he said was especially, especially difficult. Um, it was called BUDS, which is Basic Underwater Demolition Seal, and it's a 24-week program. And the finale of this program is a grueling, freezing cold water swim. And uh, he's talking about this, this swim, and, and he could hear people in front of him who already finished and people behind him who are lagging, and he's in the water just going as hard as he can, and his mind is telling him to keep going, but his body is starting to give out. He's given it everything he can, and he's just physically exhausted. He starts to cramp up, and he just starts to fatigue to the point where he can't go any farther, and he starts to sink. Uh, so his... His mind is just flooded with these thoughts of failure. All of this blood, sweat, and tears, everything he has been given to this program to become a SEAL, and the whole identity of a Navy SEAL is just vanishing in front of his eyes, and he can't believe it. In the midst of all of this doubt and chaos, a voice just cuts through. It wasn't, it wasn't the voice of God. It wasn't the voice of an angel. It happened to the voice of a buddy, of his who had already finished this race. Uh, this gentleman was just a little ways off in the distance at the finish line, screaming as loud as he could, encouraging him, coaching him, keeping him going. And somehow, well, that worked. This seal described it in a way of a, his body kicked into a gear he didn't know he had. He eventually was able to finish the race and uh, went on to become a Navy SEAL. That story is so cool because this program is meant to test your limits. 
It's supposed to show you how far you can go on your own, but then how much farther you can go with the people around you. And I think that's a great lesson for all of us, that we are all going to hit a limit on our own. But then with the people in our lives, we can actually go farther than what we, we ever thought we could. See, I, I think this has a lot to do with, with who we are in God's eyes, uh, our identity, uh, and what that means. If you were here last January, we spent a whole weekend where we talked about who we are in God's eyes, that we are his children. If, if we accept him into our life, then we become a child of God, and that's not something that can ever go away. That's not something someone can take away. It doesn't matter what we've done or said or any mistake. If we accept him into our life, we are and will forever be a child of his. But while that is one of the most fundamental truths that we can ever grasp onto, I don't think God wants it to be the finish line. In fact, I believe he wants our identity as child of God to be the beginning of this race, this journey uh, that we are taking with him. Uh, in fact, I believe uh, in Hebrews, he actually explains it. It says this, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. I, I think God is asking us to become mature in our understanding of who we are. Yes, we are his children, and that is incredible. And we can always see ourselves as his children, but he's asking us now to grow deeper, to go further, to learn a new understanding of who we are. See, I believe God is constantly trying to change us to transform us, and uh, you see it throughout the entire Bible, and, and I believe right now he's actually trying to help us grow deeper in identity, taking us from child to champion. Uh, now, I'm sure a lot of us hear the word champion, we think, okay, that means I have to be the best at something. I have to be the top of my game. When, when we think of this word champion, we think of a lot of, you know, maybe athletes or business moguls who have just conquered, you know, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, these, these people who have just conquered their field. Um, well, it's not exactly what God is talking about when, it, when he's talking about us being a champion. Uh, it's more of, more of a verb, actually, so I wanted to give you a better definition. Uh, it's the support the cause of, to advocate for. It's somebody who can stand up and fight for something God has given us to fight for. Uh, you know, I actually think that's why Paul described his life that way. He explained it this way. I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. He is saying, I have been given this cause that I am supposed to stand up for, and I have done it, I have completed it, I have finished this race. Paul understood that God was giving him a vision that he was supposed to champion. See, I think all of us have been given something by God that we are supposed to champion. A vision, a goal, potentially an obstacle. Some of us in here have this, this vision of I'm supposed to change my community or my country or, or my world. For some of us, it's, it's more day-to-day. -day. I'm, I'm supposed to stand up for and fight for being the best parent, the best spouse, the best worker. Or maybe other of us are in here uh, with some sort of struggle or obstacle in our life that God is saying, I want you to stand up 
and fight for victory in your life. I want you to champion the victory in your life. Whatever it is, and, and maybe we don't know it just yet, but God has given each and every one of us something he wants us to champion. In order to do that, we need to be champions. The problem is, uh, well, there are no self-made champions. Uh, you know, when you look at, uh, say, LeBron James or Tom Brady, and you ask them, how did you get to the top? They'd never say, I did it all on my own. They'd probably tell you a list of people who helped them, coaches, mentors, other players who was constantly around them. Uh, they didn't do it themselves. And when it comes to our life and relationship with God, it's, it's the same way. You know, I, I think there's a great example of, of people who are uh, champions because of those around them. There's a lady by the name of Diana Nyad who is a, uh, a world-renowned author and motivational speaker, and she's a, a record-setting swimmer. Uh, she was the first person in 2013, a confirmed person, to swim from Cuba to Florida. Uh, just to give you a little perspective, uh, that, imagine we were to drive from here to Wyoming and then drive back. But now instead of using a car and driving, we would swim and uh, would be surrounded by sharks the entire time. I'm sure not a whole lot of us are signing up for that. Like, I, I barely drive to Wyoming. There's no way I'm going to swim there and then swim back. And she did this all in one trek. And she had this vision for a long time in her life. See, uh, Nyad, her last name, is actually a mythical word meaning conqueror of water. So she just always had this identity of I'm going to conquer water somehow. And she loved it and owned it and decided, I'm going to do this, I'm going to champion this. And so in her early 20s, she sought up to achieve this. And at the, the most physically fit she could have been, she attempted it, and she failed. So then she learned, okay, I can, I can train harder, I can get better, I can learn from this. So she tried again, and then she failed again. And she tried a third time thinking, okay, I have all the experience, I'm a veteran at this now, let me do it again. Well, then she failed again. At one point, she told one of her close friends, I don't think this is ever going to happen. Thankfully, her friends did not let her quit. And on her fifth attempt, at the age of 64, she became the first conferred person to swim from Cuba to Florida. Now, that's an incredible achievement. And people give her praise and admiration for what she's done, but she will always tell you that she could have never done it without the 35 people surrounding her. She had 35 people that entire swim, getting in and out of boats, swimming with her, encouraging her, coaching her, keeping her going. She had this vision her entire life of doing something special. And it was the people around her that got her there. See, it's when we surround ourselves with the right people that we become champions. The true is same in our life and relationship with God. It's the others push you from child to champion. Uh, the issue with that is uh, I think a lot of us don't have others in our life. I'm sure right now you're picturing plenty of people in your life. You're like, no, Chris, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, one, I'm listening to this with people. So obviously I have others. I have friends, family, coworkers. Look at my Facebook page. I've got a ton of people in my life. Well, I, I think the confusing thing is trying to define what others specifically mean. 
Uh, there was a study done in 2015, uh, and they wanted to determine just how many friends people had and how important friends were. And so they started asking people, how many friends do you have in your life? And it was so difficult to answer that question because how do you define what a friend is? And so they decided to start asking in a different way. They started asking the question, how many confidants do you have? How many people can you confide in? How many people know everything about you? There are no secrets. There's nothing hidden. Everything about you is known by this person. Well, they started asking that question, and the response they got was pretty overwhelmingly zero. Most people have zero people in their life who know absolutely everything about them, who can, they can confide in, which, which isn't only an issue for us in our life, but... See, the Bible tells us the exact opposite. In Galatians, it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I, I know a lot of us read this, and when I read this, I think, okay, uh, I can check that box off because I bear a lot of burdens. There's people that I'm constantly helping in my life, I'm constantly pouring into and investing, and I'm, just, I'm always a helping hand for them. Uh, so maybe you need to change the way you, you view that scripture. Maybe you need to read it, uh, let others bear your burdens. Maybe actually a question you should be asking yourself is this, do you let others in? Do you let others know everything there is to know about you? Which is a pretty scary concept to think that somebody knows me inside and out, knows every corner of me. But I, I, think, I think it's so powerful that we have someone we can confide in, that someone can know us that way because there's actually a, a source of God's power that we receive when we let others in. See, Jesus explained it to his disciples this way, uh, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus wanted them to know, hey, when you let others in, when you're willing to let others around you and you can confide in them, there I will be also. I will be there confirming my love for you, confirming who you are in my eyes, confirming your value when you go to people with a struggle or a dream or anything. I will be there also. It's just tough to, to let people that close. And you know, I, I get it. I've lived in the Midwest my entire life. I grew up in this culture of uh, if you have a struggle, you, you fix it yourself. Uh, you bury that deep down or you handle it on your own. That way when people ask you how you're doing, you can say, fine, I'm doing well. And it doesn't really matter if that's true or not. I just don't want people to see my mess. You know, we don't like people pulling the curtain back because, well, we'll figure it out on our own. Like, we'll overcome whatever we're dealing with. Or, or if we do have this dream, this desire we have, we'll, we'll do it on our own. We don't need a helping hand Unfortunately, while we may think that, uh, it's just not true about the way our brains work. Uh, there was a science experiment done recently where, where they were trying to figure out just how important people are in our lives. And, and so, of course, to figure out how the human brain works, they used rats and created this thing called a rat park. Uh, what they did was they took one rat and put it in a cage and then gave the rat everything it could want. I'm not really sure what that means because I'm not a rat. But I'm guessing cheese, a wheel, that's it. I don't know. I don't know what rats want. Uh, but uh, uh, virtually everything a rat could ask for. And then they gave it two sources of water. There was a normal water uh, and then a water laced with heroin. 
And what would happen was this lone rat would, would use everything in the rat park and then would go get a drink of water and then it would find uh, this water laced with heroin and, and become addicted. And, and pretty soon that's all it would drink and eventually it would die. So then they tried di- different things in the rat park and they're like, well, maybe if we gave it this or maybe if we upped the wheel or, or maybe if we gave it incentives for using the right water or, or if we zapped it or something, if we used the wrong water, there's got to be some way to get it to change what it's doing and nothing seemed to work. So then they just threw in a bunch of other rats. They filled this rat park with other rats and amazingly, this rat that had been addicted to heroin quit using it. It would eventually just, just quit using that one altogether and recover from addiction to heroin. They realized that it was the other rats that were saving this lone rat. Now, I know you guys hear that, and I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, well, that's cool for rats. I'm not a rat. Well, apparently our brains work fairly similar. Uh, psychologists have discovered recently that, that we are, are, are not that different from rats. In fact, they stated that the number one greatest factor when it comes to human growth and change is not our own willpower. It's not our knowledge or our desire to achieve or, or anything with our own ability. It's actually the relationships that we have in our life. It's the others that we are willing to let in that most greatly influence our growth and our health. See, once again, I just, I feel like God understood us so well that the creator of us in the universe realized that I should give them a blueprint for how to grow in a healthy way. And so that's why in James, he told us this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I want you to notice something that's, that's fairly profound. He doesn't say confess your sins to a dog or to a wall or to a Facebook post. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. So that way you may be healed. I think that we love the idea that we are a child of God. But that's as far as we really want to take it because there's some stuff that we're dealing with that we, we really don't need people to see this or, or there's this thing that God has asked us to do, but you know what? He's asked me to do it. He didn't ask them to do it, so I'll do it on my own. So a lot of times we get very disconnected. We end up burning out. And then we look at God thinking, God, I don't know why you're expecting me to do this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. You shouldn't, you shouldn't expect me to do things like this. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting that, that those excuses sound a lot like, well, a child. And really, there's a very thick line between being a child and a champion. And it's difficult to stand up and fight for something when you only view yourself as a child. In fact, Paul warned us about that. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things away. See, we will never, ever, ever have to let go of the fact that we are a child of God. We can own that for the rest of our life, but he is asking us to take a step further. He is asking us to become champions of God. 
so we can stand up and fight for this cause that he has asked us to stand up for so we can run this race the way he wants us to. Some of us just don't feel like we can do it. We don't feel like we've been given the proper tools. We don't feel like we've been surrounded by the right people. God, you haven't set me up for success. You've set me up for failure. I would be able to do this, but other people in my life, they just keep stopping me. Maybe the problem isn't all the obstacles in our life, and yes, there may be some, but maybe our problem is we're still viewing this vision, this cause he's given us from the perspective of a child when we should be looking at as a champion. And it's really difficult to do that if we don't let others in. So again, the question you need to ask yourself is who do you confide in? Who do you let in? Who knows everything about you? Now, I'm I'm guessing some of you could could answer this and say, a lot of people. I hear this all the time. I'm an open book. There's no secrets with me. I, I believe there are a lot of us who are willing to confide in people, but it may not always be the right people. Uh, there was a, a famous runner by the name of Roger Bannister. Uh, and if you don't know his name, it's okay. Uh, but he was the first person to ever run a sub-four-minute mile. Again, incredible feat, something they never thought would happen. And so for the rest of his life, people revered him for this accomplishment and they would bring it up all the time and every time somebody brought it up he would always make sure to bring up two other people uh, two gentlemen by the name of Chris Chataway and Chris Brasher now again it's okay if you don't remember their names but I want you to remember what they did uh, they were his pace setters for this race now a pace setter uh, well they, they set the pace uh, normally what happens in a run is you have a time that you want to uh, finish at and this pace setter would help you get there so he had two gentlemen one that would start with him one that would finish so the first Chris ran the first two laps with him making sure that he was going the speed the pace he needed to challenging him encourage him to keep going and then after two laps he dropped off and the second Chris took off and helped him finish and eventually he was able to achieve his dream Now, I don't know if you notice this about the story. He did not ask this Chris to help him. (laughs) I would have done great in the stands, and that's it. I couldn't run that race with him. He needed to pick people that he not only knew were going to stand there and run there with him, but who believed in him, who could encourage him, who could walk this race out with him. Not everyone is going to be the other we need in our life. You know, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity, so I had a lot of others. I had all these brothers that that just knew me better than I knew myself, and I thought I could always go and confide in them. So so every time I would go and and share with them some sort of struggle, the the response I got was was never really uplifting. It, It never moved me from child to champion. A lot of times it was actually the opposite. You know, I would go and I'd share a struggle with something just in life, and they'd be like, that's no problem, let's just go get some drinks. Let's just forget about it tonight. Or I'd share a, a struggle in my relationship and, and they would say, that's fine, just go pick another girl for the night. These weren't the right others in my life. And, and see, for some of us, confiding in people is not the problem. It's confiding in the right people because it's the right others that push you from child to champion. You know, I, I believe that God understood 
just how important people were going to be in our lives. And so again, long ago, he, he gave us this blueprint. And he wanted us to make sure, hey, not everyone is going to be a good influence on you. Not everyone is going to help you grow. And so he warned us about this. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Some of us have no problem confiding, uh, but we haven't kept the best character. And, and what ends up happening is, is not only do we not move from child to champion, but we lose this identity of child of God altogether. Um, interestingly enough, there's, uh, there's some psychological theories that, that sort of back this up. Uh, a sociologist a long time ago uh, started learning about how others have an impact in our life, and, and they came up with this theory that described um, how the perception of others affect the way you view yourself. Uh, so just to give you a, a good example, I, I would consider myself a funny person. I, I identify as being a funny guy. Moreover, I think all of you believe I'm funny. Thank you. And because of that, uh, it kind of perpetuates this identity of I must be funny. I'm a funny guy. Now, I don't have anything to actually back that up. Uh, if I were to believe that you guys didn't think I was funny, more than likely I would start to think that I'm not funny. We have such a powerful influence in the way people view themselves, but it actually goes a lot deeper. So imagine that I was up here with my Bible and I, and I was reading how much God loves me, how much he values me, how he chose me, and then I were to go throughout my day and each and every one of you that I walk into would, uh, well, you would make me feel less than valuable, you would make me feel like I wasn't worth anything, that God didn't actually love me. Uh, well, even though I read it over and over and over, the people in my life would start to make me feel like that's not true. I think a lot of us, while we, we have this identity of I'm a child of God and we want to believe it so much, we've surrounded ourselves with people who make us feel less than worth that. And the real struggle is that God is still going to give us this vision in our life. He's still going to give us a cause, a fight, a race that he wants us to champion. But instead of being able to stand up, we, we kind of already face it defeated, thinking, God, that would be great. That would be so great to be able to, to have victory in my life, to achieve this dream you have given me, but I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'm not the right person. Lord, Lord you've picked someone else. I can't do this. You know, there's, there's something intriguing about champions. And that's they don't accept defeat. No champion ever feels like they aren't worth achieving something. God does not want us to look at our life and think, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. He wants us to know that you are a child of his but you are also a champion of his. And he wants you to be able to stand up and fight with him. He wants you to be able to run this race knowing I can do it. We just need to get the right people in our life. And I think Hebrews said it perfectly for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by the right others, the people who I can let into my life that I can confide in and that can build me up and encourage me and tell me that, no, I can do this thing God has given me to do. The people who can tell me, you can run that race and we'll run it with you. Let's run this race that is life knowing that God wants us to be champions. You know, the thing I, I love most about all three of these stories, the, the, the seal, the swimmer, the runner, they're all very similar. There was this person who had a vision, who had a dream, and they realized they could not do it on their own, so they needed the right people in order to achieve. You know, the same is true in our life. That is a formula that we can live by every single day, that there's you and there's God and the vision that he's given you, that thing he wants you to champion, and then the right others. That's how you mature in this identity, to become a champion of God. And if you think you can do it a different way, if you think there's a shortcut, if you think, okay, you know what, I have me and my ability and I have God, and, and you know what, uh, I don't need the right others. I can do it on my own. Well, the formula is right here. It's like math. It's right, apparently. We need the right people in our life, if, if our dream is to become the best parent we can be and we decide, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to start reading as much as I can. I'm going to watch videos, listen to podcasts. I'm going to just gain as much knowledge as I can. That's great. Knowledge is powerful, but the formula stays the same. We need the right others, those others that we're willing to let in that we can confide in, that we can share our hopes, our dreams, our struggles, whatever it is. I hope everyone listening is thinking, okay, I, I think I need the right others. I think I need to start letting other people in. But how do I find them? How do I even take that first step in, in deciding, okay, I want the right others in? Well, one, I, I think you're in a pretty good place. Because I believe everybody here, everyone listening, all has a common goal. We all have something, some burning desire that God has given us to champion. And we want to achieve it. But we need each other. And I think one of the best things we can do to start that is by becoming the right others for somebody else. If we need to let the right others in, that also means somebody is waiting for us to let them confide in them. Imagine what we could do if each and every one of us were willing to say, you know what, we're gonna get in that water with you. We're gonna swim with you. We see the race that everyone is running and we say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there with you. I'm gonna try and set this pace for you. I'm gonna be there to encourage you, to coach you, to keep you going, to let you know that you can do it because we know that God looks at you as a champion. So it's time for us to look at ourselves as champions, to stand up and fight for what God has given us to fight for. I know I'm not alone in this. We all have something burning in our hearts. Again, maybe we don't know it just yet, but it's there. 
And we would love, love to be able to stand up and fight for it. The question is, are you going to view it as a champion? If so, you need the right people in your life. It's time to look at ourselves as champions. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us the ability to to own this identity of, of, of child of God. It's one of the greatest things you will ever give us to know through our entire life that we are your children, that you love us that much. But Lord, I pray that each and every person in here has a desire to stand and fight with you, has a desire to champion a cause, to run a race that you are asking them to run. And so Lord, I specifically ask that you start just breaking through all the barriers. Lord, I get it. I grew up in this area and we have a culture of you don't let people in, but you are, you are a lot more powerful than that mindset. So I pray specifically for the people in here that are thinking, okay, yeah, I would love to let people in. I would love to not have to hide this. I would love to have somebody here with me, running this race with me. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that right now you just, you, you reaffirm who they are in your eyes, that they are your child, that you are never gonna drop them, but Lord, that they are also a champion. I pray that you challenge them to get themselves surrounded by the right people so they can run the race that you are letting us race. Thank you for letting us be a group of people who are champions for you. We love you, Lord, and we're so very, very thankful that you love us. Amen.